been wrapped all over the place. For those of you online, thank you for tuning in with us on today. We're going to grab Jeremiah chapter number one, as well as Romans chapter number eight. Jeremiah chapter number one, verse number five is what we'll begin reading. And Romans chapter number eight and verse number 28. Hallelujah. We have had those two passages already yet. Do me a favor, go ahead and stand to your feet while you're looking. Amen. All standing if you would. chapter number 8, verse number 28, as well as Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse number 5. I think we're good on connectivity. Amen. We're going to make our faith declaration on this morning. Or shall I say this afternoon? So if you would repeat loudly and strongly with me, would you say, today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp I believe the word the word is truth it is without error I believe what the word says I can have what it says I can have I can do what it says I can do I can be what it says I can be this is where it gets personal I believe what the word says about me I am redeemed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come in my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Say that again. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy that over your neighbor. Say wealth and riches shall be in your house. They don't know how to receive, find another name and say, Wealth and riches shall be in your house. Shall I'm blessed to be a blessing? My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Shout out, blessed. And I'll shout amen if you receive that word this morning. Let's grab the word. Let's go. Let's go. Hallelujah start off in Jeremiah chapter number one verse number five you know Jeremiah 29 11 talks about the thoughts and the plans that God has for you talks about how God wants to bless you and prosper you that he has an expected end for you we know Jeremiah uh, really when God gives Jeremiah this word Jeremiah the prophet the people of Israel at this time is really in bondage they're going through a tough time and God comes to encourage them through the man of God by saying, listen, I have a plan for your life. I have a plan. We sang it earlier. No, I have seen, no ear have heard the great and mighty things I have in store for you. I have a plan for you is to prosper you and to bring you to an expected end. God is telling this, telling them this in the midst of bondage They're They're in slavery in Babylon. And God says in the midst of what you're going through, in the, in the midst of all that's happening around you, remember this. I have a plan for your life. It's to prosper you, not to harm you, and to bring you to an expected end. That report you got from the doctor that says that your life is about to expire, remember this. 
I have a plan for you. Not to harm you, but to prosper you and to bring you to an expected end. You got papers that were served to you about a divorce. God said, remember this. I have a plan for you. It's a good plan to prosper you. Not to harm you. And to bring you to an expected end. They posted eviction notice upon your door. God said, remember this. I have a plan for you. It's to prosper you. Not to harm you, but to bring you to an expected end. The repo man has hooked up your ride and is about to drive off. Oh, y'all don't want to be real. You know, you parked it over at Momo Nim's house so the repo man won't find it. You park it down the street so he won't come. Y'all, where the hood folk at? I'm in the house, huh? Park it at the convenience store so somebody pick you up so they won't find your ride. But, oh, at the, oh Jesus. He said at the church. <laughs> Jesus be a fence. Jesus be a fence around here. I have a plan for your life. It's a good plan. Not to harm you, but that you would prosper and to bring you to an expected end. That's the God that is speaking through Jeremiah. But look what he says to Jeremiah in chapter 1. Because before Jeremiah could encourage others, God had to first encourage him. (laughs) There's some times, some things in your life that you're going to go through. God says, I need you to go through this, but I want to encourage you. Before you open up your mouth to testify to somebody else, I need you first to be encouraged. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. You was just a sperm cell floating amongst billions and trillions of others. I knew you even before you entered into the rat race. While you were in the womb, I knew you before then. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations he says Jeremiah listen I have appointed you this word appointed is also the same connotation of the word anointing he says Jeremiah I anointed you while you were in your before you were even in your mother's womb I had my hand on you and I anointed you to be a prophet to the nations before you begin the assignment I've already anointed you for the assignment. Before you go through it, I've already anointed you for it. Run over real quickly to Romans chapter number 8. Verse number 8. We know this text. Some of us can quote it well. And it says, we know that in all things, turn to your neighbor and say, not in some things, but in all things. Tell them again, not in some things, but in all things. Now, we're not going to get real super spiritual and deep on this. So I did the homework for you. I, I did it in advance. I went and I looked up the word all in every language. And in every language, all means... Oh, y'all did the research too, huh? All means all. In all things. And we know in all things, God works. Woo-hoo-hoo, that's good to me right there. In every situation of your life, God is working. No matter what it is, God is working. 
So you telling me in my dark days, God is still working? Yes, he is. You telling me all the hell I'm going through, God is working? Yes, he is. You may not be able to see his hand or trace his hand, but that does not mean, beloved, his hand is not still moving on your behalf. And in all things, God worked together for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Before you see that, I got to tell you, there's two factors that are at work in this text. Somebody shout two. Two is the number of agreement. Two things are working that has to come into agreement. Here's the first thing. You have to know this. Is the first factor is, is that it is working for those who love him. You want to turn around in your situation? It starts with loving God. That's the first. Love God. Somebody shout, possible what's number two? I'm glad you asked. The second one is you have to be called to his purpose. Tell your neighbor you want to turn around? Then love God and be called to his purpose. Tell me again, love God and be called to his purpose. If you want this situation that you're experiencing right now, I wish somebody would prophesy with their body. If you want to turn it around, somebody shout, just love God. Father, now in the name of Jesus, God, we love you with all our hearts. God, we have nothing else but to offer and that's our worship and our praise unto you. So, Father, in this moment, we give you what little we have. And we worship and adore you. Father, we thank you in every situation you're turning around. We know, God, you don't work by season, but you work in every season. So, regardless of the season that we're in, God, we know that you are at work. And, Father, even though we can't feel it, we can't see it, Father, we know we're experiencing it in the faith of our spirit. So, Father, now we thank you for moving on our behalf. That even the bad things, God, you'll turn around for good. The loss of a loved one, you turn it around. The loss of a house, a car, you turn it around. The loss of a job, you turn it around. The loss of health, God, you turn it around. You're going to use it for your good. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Somebody shout amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah begin by telling your story there were six people on the plane and they were on their way to their final destination and these six people were taking flight and they were about to land and upon their approach to the the airport the plane began to experience all kind of issues now on this plane were six people but they only had five parachutes on this plane was a pilot. It was the wealthiest man in the world, the most beautiful woman in the world, the smartest man in the world, a preacher, and a college student. Well, because the pilot knew that the plane was going down, he grabbed the first parachute and he said, See you later, I'm out of here. And he jumped and leaped to safety. The second man, who was the wealthiest man in the world, said, listen, I got wealth untold. I'll pay as whatever it takes to get off of this plane. I have more money to make. He grabbed the second parachute and leaped to his safety. The most beautiful woman in the world says, listen, the world would be lost without my beauty. They have to see this beautiful face. So she grabbed the third one and she leaped to her safety. 
The fourth man was the smartest man in the world. He said, listen, I got a lot to do. I have cures to come up with. I have books to write. The world needs my knowledge. I need that parachute. He grabbed the fourth one and leaped to his safety. Now, there's only, if you were counting and doing the math, there were how many bags? Someone, y'all, one of y'all wasn't falling alone. There were five parachutes and six people. Four of the five parachutes are now gone. If you're following the story, there's only two left on the plane with one parachute. There's a preacher and a college student. The preacher said, listen, son, even though I have led millions to the Lord and there's millions more to lead to him, I know my soul is rested in the hands of Jesus. I'm going to be okay. You a young man, go and live your life. Take the parachute and jump. The college student looked at the preacher and said, no, I cannot do that. He said, no, son, listen, I'm of age. Live the good life. I've done the Lord's work. I'm in his hands. It's okay. Take the parachute. He said, no, I cannot do that. The preacher was getting frustrated with him. He said, listen, son, do as your elders say do. Take the parachute and live. The young man said, I can't do that, sir. He was frustrated. He said, why can't you do it? He said, well, sir, I believe that both of us can leap from this plane. He said, the smartest man in the world took my book sack. So I got, I got, he liked that. Look. You got it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all ain't as smart as y'all think y'all are. Amen. You, you got two left. Kitty, you like that. Look at Kitty, can't stop it. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you ain't as smart as you think you are. So let's go. Uh, we started this sermon series entitled From Worship to Warfare. From Worship to Warfare. And I want to talk to you real briefly uh, from the thought, the crushing. The crushing. The crushing. Uh, I believe that this is a word that the Lord has for somebody today. So. I came by this way just to encourage you in this is that in the crushing process, some of us today may be in that process of the crushing. What is the crushing? You're going through it right now. And it seems that every waking side on every moment of your life, you're going through it. Maybe on your job, you're having all kind of issues on your job. Maybe the threat of being fired. Maybe in your home, there's a lot of turmoil and chaos. You're going through it. And it seems like every time you take two steps forward, you get knocked back five steps. You you just got one child straight, and now the other children are acting up. You're in the crushing, going through it. Maybe in your mind, in your head, your thoughts, and all the things that you're going through right now, It's just a crushing. It feels like God has left you. Anybody ever felt like that where you're in such a press? It feels like, God, where are you? Where the real folk at? You you know, you're going through. You can't even sleep at night. You're tossing and toiling all through the night. And you're like, God, where are you? You try praying, but it don't seem to be working. It seems like there's no answers. And you're saying, crying out, God, 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 where are you? And he's not responding. Oh, even the preacher been there before, like, God, where are you? It's like all that I'm doing for you, it seems to be no benefit, no reward. God, where are you? And it's really the crushing process. It's, 
It's where God has you in this moment where, watch this, it's not that God wanted to put you there, but like Romans says, you're already there and God's going to take what you, where you are and he's going to turn it around for your good. And I, I want to break some of the, take an apostolic approach and break some of the erroneousness, erroneousness there it is, out of some of our thinking. Uh, we say that God has a perfect will. And a permissive will. Oh, God. Anyone have heard of those two wills from God? His perfect will and his permissive will? God don't have a permissive will. He only has a perfect will. Because if he has a permissive will, then his perfect will is null and void. He can't have both. It's either he's perfect or he's not. How many of you believe that we serve a perfect God? So it's not that he has a permissive will. His will is only perfect. So you may be going through a situation right now and you're saying, well, God permitted this. It's not that God permitted it. God's will is perfect. It's that you're where you are. Watch this sometimes because of your own choices. Maybe you're right where you're at and going through what you're going through because you chose it. Nobody told you to marry that woman. Nobody told you to take that job. Nobody told you to move to another state and all the stuff you're experiencing right now. That was you. Okay. I'm coming down your road in a second. Nobody told you to buy that car. It wasn't God that told you to get it. You wanted it. There's, there's, there's uh, uh, bring it up too if we got anybody in the booth. Plato has a quote. I got a quote from Plato. Plato says that all human uh, behaviors derive from three sources. All of your behaviors derive from three sources. Where my people at in the booth? Uh, amen. All human behaviors, is at the third slide from the top. Uh, all human behaviors derive from three sources. Number one, it, it, it derives from your desire. Your behaviors come from your desires. And if we'll stay on Hood Street, we'll just say it this way, what you thirst for. You ever heard that in the hood? You're just thirsty. Tell you, they be careful what you thirst for. Because your thirst and your desire would begin to dictate your behavior. If you thirst for attention, then all of your behavior will begin to begin to culminate around that thirst. You'd be on TikTok half naked because you want attention. Y'all, I ain't saying nothing. Telling all your business so you can get lights and hearts. Why? Because you're thirsty for attention. You'll, you'll be out there doing stuff that you know you should not be doing, all for the sake of attention. Your, your behavior is now molded around your desire or watch your thirst. If you have a thirst for money, you do whatever. Trying to secure the bag. Do whatever. Whatever. And 
whoever. Oh. I'm just trying to get the people free. Your behavior is, is around your desire. The other is, is your emotions. You, do you know some overly emotional people? Always in their feelings. Making decisions based on their feelings. Somebody offends you here, you move over there, only to get offended over there, to move somewhere else. Your behaviors flows from your emotions. And knowledge. People trying to gain knowledge. You know a lot of smart people who are book smart, but dumb as a box of rocks when it comes down to street smarts. Just green. Oh, I forgot. Y'all the sedated folk. Y'all not the hood folk. <laughs> Where my hood people at? You know, folk ain't got no street sense whatsoever. I went and bought this gold chain. I paid $5 for it. It's real. I promise you. God says it's real. You dumb. You dumb. You dumb. <laughs> I got these, all of these DVD players. I got them for 20 bucks. The guy said that he had a surplus of them and he on the corner selling them out of his trunk. You dumb. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> Amen. Got a lot of book smarts but no street smarts. People pursue after knowledge and want knowledge but only want knowledge for the purpose of being noted for the knowledge, not what they're doing with the knowledge. Did you catch that? So, so those are the three areas that your behavior Derived from. So let's go to work. So we, I want to talk to you about the crushing. Somebody shout the crushing. So in the crushing, uh, God has you in a place or the place you're in. God says, I need you in this place since you're already there. I'm going to take what's happening in you or around you, shall I say, what is going on around you. I'm going to take that and use it for my good. I'm, I'm going to take the, 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 the place you're in right now, the pressing of where you are, I want to press you so that what's in you come out of you. If I had a, a bushel of grapes, I, I would use the analogy or the, the illustration of grapes. Uh, imagine a bushel of grapes. And if you take that grape and you squeeze that grape, what's going to happen? It, it's going to bust and juice going to f- flow out of it, right? Right? G- God says, I got you in the crushing now. Watch. I got you in a question. I need to squeeze you where you are so what's in you will come out of you. I I need to squeeze you where you are because there's greater in you than what's around you. In order for me to get what's in you out of you, I got to crush you. Let me say it this way. You are anointed to battle, not anointed for the battle. Okay. See, you think that every battle you go through in life, you need a fresh anointing. Lord, give me a fresh anointing. God, I need a fresh I'm about to go through something, God, and I need a fresh anointing. You, you, watch this. You even go on a fast so you can be anointed again. You don't need to be anointed for the battle. You have already been anointed to battle. While you were yet in your mother's womb, here, here it is, while you were already there, God had already anointed you. And the trial and the test that you're going through now and the thing that you're experiencing right now, God says, I already anointed you, but I got to crush you to get the anointing out of you. 
In order to get to anything, you have to first rip out the layer, the outer layer to get what's on the inner. Okay, y'all remember the Tootsie Roll commercial? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? One, two, three. (laughs) To get to the core of a matter, you got to crush the outer thing. And really, the church doesn't want to go through the crushing. We want easy street. We want streets of gold. You know, a life was paid for, for the streets of gold. A life was taken so that you can walk on the streets of gold, so that you can walk through the pearly gates. There was a crushing that had to take place in order for you to walk in that place. Something had to be crushed. And the church doesn't want to go through the crushing. We don't want to go through the battle. But truth of the matter is, some battles require you to go through. Why? Because it's pulling something out of you. Tell your neighbor that's something greater on the inside of you. And God said this in Isaiah. He says that it was his good pleasure to crush Jesus. It was his good pleasure to crush him. Why? Because there was something great on the inside of him. So there's the crushing process. Let's go to the crushing process. Somebody shout, there's a process. The the first crushing, the first crushing, uh, take me there to the first crushing. Uh, The first phase of the crushing is that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there praying. And y'all remember at that point while he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the disciples to pray with him. Amen. Bring me up the first crushing there in the back. He he was asking them to pray for an hour. He said, could you not pray for an hour? And while he is there praying, the Bible says that there were great drops of blood. His sweat had changed to great drops of blood. Now, medical and scientists, uh, uh, medical aides and scientists have proven that whenever your body goes through immense stress and strain, that capillaries and vessels, arteries in your body would pop and that your, blood, your pores will open up and blood will begin to pour out of your pores. So while he's going through this, this strain and the stress of the pressing, he's praying. And watch, the more he prayed, the more blood flowed. So he began to pray even more earnestly. Oh, I want to encourage somebody today. You're going through a test and a trial right now. While you're going through, pray more. Don't, don't give up. You may not see the ship turn, the tide turn in your behalf. Keep praying. Tell your neighbor, keep praying. He prayed even the more. The more he prayed, the more the blood flowed. The more he prayed, the more the sweat poured and the sweat became blood. You got to keep praying. And, and there it is. It says in Luke chapter number 22, it says, and... And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. While you're going through it, don't stop praying. Tell your neighbor, don't stop praying. I I think it's uh, acronym PUSH, pray until something happens. Keep praying. Tell your neighbor again, keep praying. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're going through right now, but keep praying. I know it sounds cliche-ish and it's just a simple saying, but keep praying. Because see, here's the thing about prayer. What's so powerful about prayer is prayer keeps you in the presence. I felt that in my soul. Prayer keeps you in his presence. 
So keep praying this thereof. It's the fullness of joy forevermore. When you're in his presence, you've got his presence. Watch this. In his presence, there is no demon, no devil in hell can come while you're in the presence of God. Keep praying. Keep you in his presence. Tell your neighbor, keep praying. Okay, well, keep telling them until they get it. Keep praying. <laughs> it's simple as that. Keep praying because it keeps you in the presence of God. It's in prayer that you get strategies and plans from God. That's why I keep praying. He's going to tell you to go left, go right. He's going to map it out for you, but you got to keep praying. Keep praying until you get it. Push until something happens. Watch. In the crushing process, in order to get what's on the inside, you have to crush the outside. A present is not an enjoyable thing unless it's open. How many of you have ever received a present before? Christmas, birthday, anniversary. Oh, some of y'all are deprived. Poor babies. That should have been everybody's hand. If you ain't got no gift, come see me at the end of service. I'm going to bless you with a little gift. Amen. Bless your soul. Poor baby. But, but a gift is not enjoyable unless it's open. How many of y'all got a gift and just sat it there and just looked at the package and said, oh, that's just so great. Oh, it's just amazing. Look, just look at it. The little bow and the wrapping is all wrapped. That's nice. I'm just going to put that on the shelf. Yeah. People come over to your house and you're like, look at my gift. Ain't it amazing? They Look at the creases and the colors. No, a, a gift is greatly enjoyed when it's open. There's a gift on the inside of you. <laughs> There's a gift on the inside of you. And the only way to enjoy the gift that's on the inside of you, you have to be crushed. There has to be a process of ripping you open to get out the good stuff that's on the inside of you. So you got to go through some stuff sometimes. Why? Because God says, I want to get to the good part. Oh, help me here. When are we going to get to the good So you got to go through the crushing so you can get to the good part. You may not like the part of the crushing, but you're going to love the good part of the crushing. You may not like the process of being torn and ripped apart, but you're going to enjoy the benefit of the package that's behind the wrappings. See, some of you all dolled up, nice, got your weave on and your eyelashes, and you're sitting there all wrapped up, but don't want to be torn up. Got a new suit, new shoes, looking fly. And you dressed up, but you don't want to be torn up. And the only way to get enjoyment out of you is to shh, shh, shh. Because it's in the crushing. Watch, the oil begins to flow. Because you're already anointed. And God is just trying to squeeze you to get the anointing out of you. What, what are you saying, Apostle? Everywhere you go, you should leave an oily trail. Oh, God, y'all missed that. Everywhere you go, there should be an oily trail. Why? Because of the crushing. And everywhere you go, there should be a trail of oil behind you. Everybody coming behind you should be slipping and sliding. Why? Because of the oily trail of the crushing of your life. In other words, it's a testimony. Because the crushing is not for your sake. For the sake of others. Because when the all flows, then it will become 
as a bomb in Gilead to those who need healing. Did y'all catch that? Tell your neighbor it's time for a crushing. And see, the church needs to understand this, that you're going to go through stuff. I don't know who told you when you got saved that it was going to be cotton candy and roses. You're about to say cotton candy, sweet go. I, I heard I heard your mind. Who told you it was going to be flowers and dandelions? You're going to go through some stuff. But here's the beautiful thing about going through. You're not going through alone. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, the psalmist David said this. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there with me. I rod in thy staff. They comfort me. I'm not going through this thing alone. Matter matter of fact there's more for me than that is against me i'm not alone paul said it this way count it all joy when you go through trials and adverse temptation count it joy what i'm going through something see i count it joy you know why because you're going through <laughs> y'all miss that you're not staying you're going through tell your neighbor just keep going through and if you keep going through, then you're going to get it through. <laughs> if you keep going through, you're going to get through. Every trial and test and tribulation in your life has an expiration date. Somebody should have received that just now just, and declared over your situation. Declare right now. You're about to expire. Yeah, sickness, you're about to expire. Lack, you're about to expire. Turmoil, you're about to expire. Confusion, you're about to expire. Whatever it is, it has an expiration date that's coming to an end. You just got to keep going through. Here's the second part of the crushing. Betrayal. Betrayal. Has anybody ever been betrayed before? I felt a strong anointing on this side for betrayal. It's like real heavy somewhere up in this section. Have you ever been betrayed before to the point where even people who you thought were with you were against you? Jesus went through it. You thought that Judas, who betrayed Jesus, was so severe. How about hundreds, yet even thousands of people who one day say Hosanna and the next day say crucify? One day they're giving him high praise. Hosanna the most high, the king of David, giving him a celebration. And then days later, they're saying, crucify him. Betrayal. Betrayal. But before we indict them for their betrayal, sometimes we can betray ourselves. Well, I'll never betray me. Not me. Oh, you betrayed yourself. Every time you made a decision that was contrary to the plan of God for your life, you betrayed yourself. Every time you decided to do something out of the will and the plan of God for your life, betrayal. You betrayed your own success. You sabotaged the plan of God for your own likes and desires, betrayal. God wants you to go left, you decided to go right, betrayal. God told you to stay, but you went anyway. You betrayed yourself. Well, he don't treat me right. Uh, he, he don't do me right. He don't love me like he used to. I'm leaving. 
betrayal. Because that's the same man or woman that you said God sent to you. I'm I'm going to leave that right there. You got on that job and all that hell you experienced on your job. Now you're crying out for another job, but you were shouting on Facebook testifying that God blessed you with a new job with a corner office, a window, and your own parking space with a plate on the door with your name on it. Now all the hell you experienced, you say, God, get me off of this place. Wait a minute. Time out. I called you there. You're betraying yourself. Now you got another job and you wonder why it ain't going so well there because you betrayed yourself. You betrayed yourself. So you can sabotage your own success. <laughs> I, I feel it again strong in this area. Look at your neighbor and say, is it you? <laughs> you can betray, sabotage your own success. Jesus was betrayed. The third thing is Jesus' body bled inside while being beaten and bruised outside. Uh, he, he was beaten and bruised. He was beaten and bruised. Now, now watch. Here, here's the thing. Catch it. When they whipped in those days, the Romans had a process of torture that when they beat people, they just didn't grab a whip like in, uh, was that Zorro with the whip? You know, it wasn't just a regular leather braided whip. They call it a cat of nine tails. It's going to get graphic here, but catch the picture of how it goes. Uh, The cat of nine tails had uh, stone and metal bones and glass braided inside of the whip. And the purpose of which was every lash, it was meant to rip open. So every time Jesus got whipped, flesh got torn. Uh, 39 times he, he got beaten with the whip and each time something tore open. Thirty-nine times he got hit with the cat of nine tails. It dug inside of his flesh and it tore him open. Why it had to be so? Because there was something on the inside of him that needed to come out of him. And God says, I got to rip him open because there's an anointing that needs to be poured out. There's blood on the inside that has to be shed. Why? Because it's blood. That covers a multitude of sin. It is blood. It's the anointing in the blood. In order to get to the blood, I got to rip the flesh. I got to whip him open because he's been anointed for this. Tell your neighbor, I've been anointed for this. Oh, I see the street beat me up. I know I'm getting it ripped up on Facebook, but I've been anointed for this because there's something great on the inside. In order to get to the good stuff, I got to crack open the outer. I got to go through this. I got to go through it. This is the good part. It's on this side. You know, the Bible says there's treasures in earthen vessels. It's good to go down the street and find gold on the street. But some gold you got to dig up. (laughs) If it's really worth something, you got to put some work in. Your marriage, if it's really valuable, you got to put some work in. Oh, we happily married. You better put some work in. Oh, God. What are the married folk at? Amen. I feel a marriage ministry over here. It, it requires work. Uh, oh, who told you we're going to have a happy ending? No, I get to a happy ending, you got to live out the whole story. There's a lot of chapters in some books. 
And all of them ain't good. Where my married folk at up in here? It's some work. Amen. I thought I had a better witness in the house than that. It's some work. So to get to the good stuff, the treasures, you got to put some work in. To get to earthen treasures, you got to dig them up. You got to put in the work. It's work. And Jesus, watch this, he had a crown that pierced his head. It was bloody. Now, now the piercing of that and the crushing of this, watch this, is for a renewed mind. I didn't get to say this in the 915 service, but the piercing was to renew your mind. Some questions you go through is for a renewal of your mind. Some of the things you're going through right now is that your mind would be renewed. That you have learned some things. Some lessons in life cost some things. And it's to renew your mind and know I can't go down that street no more. I can't turn that bottle over there no more. I can't light that blunt up there. Y'all quiet up in this place. I can't deal with them people no more. It's going to renew your mind. Tell your neighbor, get your mind right. Some of the tests and trials you go through in life, it comes to crush you so you can have a renewed mind. Get your mind right. His head was pierced so you can have a renewed mind. I'm almost done. Number five, spikes were driven into his hands. It's the crushing. Some of you feel like you're being crucified. But here's the thing. He was already crucified. He died so you can live. And the benefit of him being crucified is so that you can have a symbol of God's love of what it looks like for a God who loves you. Watch this. This love, his hands were nailed wide open to show you that he, you can always return to a loving God. Ooh. His hands were nailed wide open so that you know that his arms are always open for you to return. That no matter how many times you messed up, no matter what process or what step you're in in the process, he is there with his arms open to let you know I'm here to cover you, to keep you, to comfort you. I'm here for you. Number six, watch this. Well, I'll just say that Jesus poured out so that you can be filled up. Jesus had spikes driven into his feet. The scripture says that we can tread upon serpents and scorpions. He went through the crushing of having his feet pierced. Why? So that you can have authority. (laughs) So that you can have authority in the earth realm. Y'all taking me fast back there. Let me stay on the point. There it is. He says, I have given you authority to trample on on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing. Somebody shout nothing. Nothing will harm you. You got to know this process of the crushing. God has a plan not to destroy you, not to harm you, but to bring you to expected end. This, This crushing is not to wipe you out. It's not to take you out. It's to take you up. It's to take you higher. It's to elevate you. It's to bring you to a place and a dimension where you realize that you have a God that loves you so that nothing can harm you. Nothing can give you authority in situations. And number seven, he was speared in his side. 
Now, theologians say that when Jesus had the spear stuck in his side, that water and blood flowed out at the same time. Water and blood. Water symbolizes the spirit. Blood is the cost of the sacrifice. And it flowed out of him. It's said that some theologians believe that when the water and the blood flow, it was because his heart broken had been broken for the people. Because there were some that believed that he was the son of God in that moment, but there was others that walked away and doubted. See, in this crushing process, you cannot doubt the God who is able to bring you out. You got to believe that he's able. We sang it earlier, he's able. And there'll be many of you today that's going to walk out of this place and you're going to doubt the fact that God is able to do the very thing that he said he can do. You're going to walk out of here and you're going to believe that what you're going through is final. It is finished. But it's not over until God says it's over. It won't end until God says it can end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and the... He is the one to finish it. So I don't care what you're going through and what stage you are in in your life right now. Only God can finish it. Only God can. Only God can. Bring it to the next one. Give it to me. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Part of their torture was they would hang people on cross. And when they're hung on that cross, they'll be there for hours. And eventually their legs would wear out. And they would not be able to push themselves. Because when the body is elongated for such a period of time, your lungs cannot contract nor expand. So you will eventually suffocate in your own blood. So what they would do is, at the end of the day, if they're not dead, they would come and they would break their legs so they couldn't push up to breathe and push down the exhale. And at the end of the day, if they still did not expire, they would come and break their legs and now they can't. And eventually die. But the prophet had already come and prophesied that not a broken bone would be in Jesus' body. So when they came to Jesus at this point of the crucifixion on the hill called Golgotha, it's the place of the skull. When they came to him, they were about to break because they had already broken the thieves' legs. Got to Jesus and it was like, he's already dead. The blood had already flowed. So they pierced his side because he had already paid the price. He had already paid the price. So they speared him in his side. Blood and water flowed out. There's something you're about to go through or something you're in the midst of right now. God says you're going through it. Why? Because I need the blood and the water to flow out of your life. I need my spirit to be at work. I need the water to flow in your life. I need my spirit to flow and move in you in this moment. I need you to understand that I have empowered you with dunamis power, my Holy Spirit. I breathe on the inside. I need it to be at work. And I need you to know my blood is covering you. 
crushing process. You're being crushed right now. You're being crushed for a testimony so that the world will see the God you serve. Can you bow your heads with me all over this place? I believe there's somebody here today. You're going through it right now. It's crushing. It seems fatal. Doesn't seem like you're going to make it out. Doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. It doesn't seem like you're going to get to the finish line. Seems like every time you go forward, you get knocked backwards. You're going through it. You turn to the left, trials. Turn to the right, tribulations. You look up, and there's no end to the pain. And you're saying, God, when it's going to end? God says, don't focus on the end, but focus on the one who began. Keep your eyes fixed and focused on me. Don't worry about how far the exit is from you. Know that I am with you. And even if you have to travel a long way, know that I'll travel all the way with you. I don't know who it is this morning. You're going through it right now. And this morning you came. You're looking for answers. You're saying, God, I need you in this moment because if it doesn't come through now, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is my last ditch effort, God, to make it over to the other side. And I need you now. I don't know who that is. I want to speak to you first. Because I want to encourage you through this crushing process. That even though Jesus was crushed, he was ripped open. The gift came out of him. The gift came out of him. The gift gift is not for you. It's for those who are around you that they can benefit from. And now he is seated in heavenly places in intercession for you and I. He's praying for you right now. Why? Because he was the gift that was torn open on your behalf. So you're here today. You're going through it. If that's you, would you slip your hand in the air today? You need God to move in your situation. I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. I believe there's others today. That you need God to move in your situation. I see you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you. I see you. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. There's others that would say, I'm going through it. God, I need you. I need you in this moment. I want to talk to you guys first. I see you, sir. I want to talk to you first because I need to encourage you first so those around you can be encouraged. I need to make sure that you're crushed so that the all can flow out of you so that it can spill over to your neighbor. Because the next group of people... The very next group of people are those who need to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I need you to be an example of what it looks like for someone who is going through but still trust God. (laughs) That you will be a witness and a testimony that my my life is going through hell but I'm still holding on to the unchanging hand of God. That I'm still here. To give God glory. I'm still here to give God praise. And because of that, you're going to stimulate your neighbor. This next group, you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're backslidden and you want to get it right with him today. This is your moment. If that's you today, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and a pardon of your sins. Don't worry about your neighbor. They had to go this way just like you have just like you have to. And you will say, today I want to get my life right. If that's you today, slip your hand in the air. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Rededicate your life because you're backslid and made some mistakes, but you want to get it right today. If that's you, lift your hand in the air. Hallelujah. I see you, ma'am. 
I see you. Any others today that would say today is the day I want to make sure I get it right. I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's you. Lift your hand. Lift it now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now here's, here's the bold step. Because this is the crushing part. Because there's a difference between the crushing and the breaking. I want to get us, look up at me, all his, uh, I want to get you to this place at this point right now. We've gone through the crushing process, but now we're at the breaking process, being broken. There's a difference between the crushing and the breaking. The crushing is to get what's out of you. The breaking is to break the will of you. God's looking for a broken and contrite heart. So he's got to break you. Because your will says, I don't want to do what God says I need you to do. The question is to get the anointing out of you. The breaking is to break the will of you. So that when the anointing needs to flow, you'll say, God, here I am. Yielded and wielded as a vessel to be used of you whatever way. God, I'm broken for you. The woman with the alabaster box had the anointing in the box. But the box had to be broken. The olives were crushed to give the oil, but the box had to be broken. Its will had to comply with the breaker. So for those of you who lifted your hands, for whatever reason you lifted forth, stand before God broken. Do it now. Don't stand to your feet if you lifted your hand. If you lifted your hand, if whatever reason you lifted your hand, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. You're an encouragement to your neighbor. Come on, stand to your feet. For whatever reason, 